and welcome to the latest episode of Shrews Views. My name is Johnny Jury, and as always, I'm with the Shropshire Stars salop expert, Mr. Ollie Westbury. We'll be looking back the last week of, well, the last week for salop which has been a bit of a difficult one, really. Tough trip to uh, Wigan on Saturday for Matt Taylor's men. Ollie, first off, how are you, mate? You well? I'm all right, mate. I'm all right. I'm in the office today. Got my headphones on, so I didn't get a telling off from you when I don't wear headphones. Yeah, I'm like a school teacher when he doesn't wear headphones. Yeah, I always tell yeah, him you're, off. you're like me, Dad. Um, Am I? Yeah. Well, actually, probably more like me, Mom, because she's the nag. But um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, where's your headphones? But um, yeah, you've got them today. You've got them today. I've got them today. I've, got them today. I've actually nicked uh, Judas, to be honest. Uh, oh, I've yeah. just gone into a meeting, so oh, I've stopped his headphones. But there you go. There you go. Come to save the day. Anyway, we'll talk. Uh, we'll talk Wigan. We're going to talk some key points from from that game and and uh, some other stuff as well um, off the field. And then we'll look ahead to Saturday and the FA Cup. So let's start with Wigan. Let's start with well, we might as well start early doors and start with that Shade Huntley sending off. By all accounts, Ollie, it sort of compounded Shrewsbury's afternoon it was maybe no coming back from that you know just uh just sum that one up uh, you know when you go to a place like Wigan although they are struggling in the table you can't afford like I think you said last week you can't afford things to go against you and uh and it did from the off yeah I think there's two things I think when you go and play against a side like Wigan you can't afford for things like that to go go against you and I know Wigan are, are below or, or where they are in the table, but you know they've got some good players. You could see that just from watching them, and they will be fine this season. And they will finish above Shrewsbury, I would expect. Um, but then the other thing that you can't afford to do is, yeah, you can't afford to have a man sent off in the fourth minute. But also, you know, you can't afford that when you don't score any goals because the chances of you keeping a clean sheet when you're going to play for 92 minutes with 10 men are exceedingly unlikely, um, and the chances of Shrewsbury scoring, you know. Well, obviously, we've seen they scored seven goals in 15 games. So the chances of Shrewsbury scoring with 11 men is exceedingly unlikely at the moment um, at less than a goal um, every two games. So is that right? Less than, yeah, zero. It's under 0. 0.5, isn't is it? Is that what it is? Um, that is a startling statistic. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So, so uh, yeah, it's not good. It's not good. So, um, yeah, they can't afford for those things to go against them. And he's a bit... You know, I was really looking forward to the weekend and I was hoping that they could kind of, you know, really, really go out and kind of get on the front foot and really put in a good a good performance and hopefully get a result at Wigan. And from the moment that got, Dunkley got sent off, I was kind of like, Ugh. you know, like well, I just felt flat um, from that moment onwards, really, which was, which is, yeah, it's a real shame. Um, so, yeah, it was, just, it was disappointing. It, it was, it was really disappointing. The case of damage limitations from there, you know, with it was, you know, it was still obviously nil nil at the time, but you know, when someone like Dunkley goes off, you know, one, a player like Dunkley is such a leader and such a good player for Shrewsbury, and two, the fact that they're down to ten men at a place like Wigan, you know, you're needing, I don't want to say miracle, but you're needing, you're needing every single other little thing to go for you, which doesn't tend to happen in football. Well, it's not even like, you know, Dunkley got sent off after half an hour where, you know, you get through to half time, hopefully, you know, still nil-nil. And then you can try and get through the second half or keep it tight or keep it one nil for as long as possible in the second half. And, you know, four minutes. I mean, what? what it's like you, you've got to play that long without. Yeah. It's just like, what's, what, what are the chances? So, yeah, I mean, it's not impossible to play with 10 men. I mean, we've seen Liverpool do it this year against Newcastle, but they've got a very different calibre and quality of players for them to, to to kind of do that. So, 
yeah, I mean, it was a disappointing day. It was always going to end that way, really, wasn't it? After after they went down, after they went down to ten men so early, and it just made me. I just felt really, really flat um, because there's a lot of it that's, you know, what, what what can you do about it? You know, what can you do about it? Matt Taylor spoke after, you know, I suppose from there, you know, Shooter could could have nicked a goal and, and maybe hung on to something. Obviously, it didn't transpire that way and they lost the game. Um, but he was, you know, praised the response, being aggressive. You know, was that probably the only positive to take that they did, you know, dig in a little bit? When you're down to 10 men so early on against Wigan, you know, there might there may be a bit of a danger that Shrewsbury could fold, but they, they didn't do that, which, you know, that's surely one positive for, for Taylor to take. Uh, not really, no. I don't feel, no. I don't think that was quite an accurate reflection of, what happened in the game perhaps no no I, I did I did look at the I thought that they never gave up I thought they were disciplined and I thought in the first half I thought they did all right but I think in the second half they were they I mean it, it felt like Wigan could have scored four in the second half I mean they hit the bar I mean Morosi produced a couple of really good saves they scored a goal uh, Stephen Humphreys missed an absolute sitter and I don't think Shrewsbury got into their box once going forward so um, yeah, they never ever at any point looked like they were going to get back into that game uh, from the moment they went 1-0 down. There was a 10-minute period before half-time where I thought they were really, really good. I thought they passed the ball well, they were progressive, they played it forward, you know, they committed players. They still didn't create anything clear-cut, uh, which is kind of the caveat I put to every kind of bit of positive play when I'm talking about town. Um, but... Yeah, they still didn't create anything clear cut, and and it, but that second half performance, I don't think it was through anyone's fault really, but I, I just it was just it was a non-event. It was a non-event, and it was like attack well, for large parts. I felt like it was attack against training defense. ground exercise. Yeah, yeah, it was just they had a numerical advantage. Shrewsbury put a lot into the first half. You know, they tried, and you know, they kept running, and they never gave up. But you know. Like I said earlier on, you know, Town are struggling to score against when they've got 11 men on the pitch. So the the creativity issues are only going to be compounded when they've got a man less. Um, so, yeah, I think, I don't think they were excellent, put it that way. Um, I thought at times in that first half, they really did keep the ball well. But I thought after half time, it, it really was a, a, a non-event of a game and, you know, from a Shrewsbury fan's perspective, it would have been hard. That second half would have been hard watching. Yeah, I would like to ask if up to the sending off, Shrewsbury were sort of in the game, but four minutes in, not a lot happened. In the first no, well, the game, really. well yeah. <laughs> that's the point, isn't it? I mean, the yeah. game hadn't even started and they were down to 10 men. So, I don't know. Yeah, what was Matt Taylor's sort of reaction? That You know, I've read a little bit. I know he said Shay Dunkley apologised to his, his teammates. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of them, you know, he's, dragging down last man and do you let him go through and score you know you probably got a better chance of getting something if he did that you'd imagine wouldn't you but I suppose obviously the Dave Edwards columns in the paper today and I was chatting to Dave about it yesterday and he said at that stage he's got two options he can take it he can try and win the ball which is what he chose to do or he can let him go through and hope that Marco Morosi pulls off a save even if Marco Morosi does not pull off a save you go one nil down but you've still got all your men on the pitch, and he wasn't necessarily he wasn't in the middle of the goal. He was he was kind of on the it was it wouldn't have been a straight forward finish um, for 
I think his name was Asgard. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was the wrong call. I mean, in fairness, you, you know, having to weigh up all those things in the tiniest of split seconds is a split second decision. It's a mistake. It happens. Theo, um, not Theo, Shay Dunkley's been absolutely immense since he arrived at Shrewsbury Town in the. Uh, not this summer, the summer before. Um, he's been a really good influence on the pitch and off the pitch. You know, he's played, he's made such a positive difference. And p- from time to time, players are going to make mistakes. It's like when Marco Morosi made a mistake, a couple of mistakes against Oxford that led to goals. And it's the same here. It's 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 a it's a couple of it's a mistake that's you know. He's, it's punished town dearly, but you know when you're a defender, that's what mistakes. You're a defender and a goalkeeper. That's what mistakes often look like, and it's the same for a striker. If you're a striker, your mistake is generally, you know, missing an open goal. That, that I mean, that's roughly the way it works, isn't it? You know, with positions on the pitch, if you're paid to defend and you make a mistake, a bad mistake defending, then it usually either costs your side a goal or you're probably looking at being given your marching orders. So. You know, it's a, it's a tough one for everybody to take because I'm not really sure what town are supposed to do about it. You know, you can prepare all you want for a game, but you, there are things. I mean, I talked to Matt Taylor last week about controlling the controllables and, you know, how can you control that? How, what what impact can you have? I wrote in my analysis in the paper yesterday that, you know, you say you could argue, OK, well, the manager picks the team and you're right. They, they, those those people would be right. The manager does pick Shade Dunkley. But if you asked 100 Shrewsbury Town fans, would Shay Dunkley have been in the team against Wigan? 100 of them would have said, yes, he would, because he's the captain. He's the best centre-half. He's, he's a top player. He just made a mistake. It happens, unfortunately. It's cost Town when they really didn't need that to be the storyline. You, know, you know, the narrative they needed was to bounce back post-Barnsley post, um, after the 3-0 defeat and to kind of get back, you know, there's this thing now building up about the away record because you know they've only taken four points on the road this season, so that's building up now, and it's not, and that's it's not a narrative that you know we really want to be creating, but you can't. You, the facts are the facts, aren't they? You know they've taken yeah. four points, won one, and the one game that they did win was against Fleetwood, and that was in the end was against ten men, and it wasn't wholly convincing either. So, you know, it's one of those things. Shrewsbury very good at the meadow, but you know, sadly being found wanting away from it at the moment. Yeah, they certainly are. I suppose it sort of compounds that centre centre half problem. Obviously, Morgan Feeney being being injured, Shea Dunkley's going to be suspended now. You know, which which way? How do you look at it? I obviously Jason Schreyer's coming in and really well. Um, who who comes in to replace Dunkley? How does how does Taylor sort of juggle that conundrum now? I don't. I mean, it's the one position that's not such such a such a problem, um, just simply because of the number of centre-halves they've got in the squad um don't forget you know so I would have said that you know obviously there's Aaron Pierre or there is Joe Anderson um I would have said that probably Joe Anderson will get the nod I might be wrong he might not get the nod um but yeah it could be it could be Joe Anderson the problem is is that is, is that Dunkley does what he does in the middle of that back three so well. He's so commanding. He's so de- he's so demanding. He's so physical. He puts tackles in. He wins headers. He's you, you know he puts opposition strikers under pressure and lets them know that they're in a contest. And I'm not sure if Town have got another defender. Well, I suppose Flanagan had did do it earlier on in the season, but I don't think any other Shrewsbury Town defender quite does it the way that that Shea Dunkley does it. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, it's um if we want to keep an eye out for uh for who's gonna come in and, and replace Duncan. We want to talk Marco Morosi because you know, we waxed lyrical about him last week. Um, you know, I was actually listening to the radio guys as well the other day. Uh, I think it was after Derby. Um and it sounds like he had another stormer on on Saturday. And I heard someone saying, Oh, he's the best keeper in the league. Now I want to get your take on this. You know, he's made some very, very important saves already this season. You know, is he the best keeper in League One? Or one of? That's a big shout, that is, isn't it? Um I I think that's a big shout. I think Marco Morosi is a very, very, very good goalkeeper. I've been covering the club since the start of 20, 2022 season and I can think of very few games, obviously take out Oxford, that he has, um, you know, made errors in more than anything. Um, because, you know, as, as a goalkeeper, it's the same as, you know, as a goalkeeper, it's, it's, it's easy to see when they make a mistake because it leads to a goal. But it, there's been very, very few. I mean, he, he's, I don't want to put the mockers on him, but he's all, he, he's always fit. I know he missed a couple of games last year with, with a, was it a broken finger or a dislocated finger or something that he missed a few games for? But, you know, his shop stopping ability is, you know, it, it really is um, terrific. I reckon he made four saves at the weekend. He made two in the first half. Uh, one real strong left hand. He made a couple in the second. Um, really, really top-notch shaves. And, and you know, I really do think that he's a very, very good League One goalkeeper. I'm not sure what his contractual situation is at town, to be honest. But if I was Shrewsbury Town and I was looking to uh, to be building a squad for the future, he's somebody that I would be looking to try and tie down Marco Morosi. I think he is... Um, you know, it's difficult to compare because Marco Morosi is the only goalkeeper I've I've seen, and I'm not going to profess that I've watched an awful lot of League One football before I covered Shrewsbury. So, uh, you, you know, you don't you don't really know, do you? But uh, I got to say, I re- I really am impressed with him. I, I suppose like it, it, the one criticism you could maybe have is perhaps his kicking at, at times can be a bit wayward. Um, um, but his actual his goalkeeping um, and his shot stopping in particular is is very 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 good. Um, I'm very impressed with him. He's been one of the standout performers uh, so far this season. I was just actually thinking that the other day that he has been uh, one of the standout performers for me so far this season, without a doubt, hands down. Pop Oxford aside, of course. You mentioned his contractual situation. I just looking. He's out of contract in the in the summer. Um, has he got an option gonna... though? Not sure. It just says his contract expires June 30th, 2024. May have, may be an option. However, that was going to be my next question. You know, given he's out of contract, you know, let's say, for example, for arguments that there's no option there, you know, is he going to be someone that should be much struggle to keep hold of, you know, if he carries on in the form that he's in, you know, like you said, Oxford aside, you know, so his yeah. displays, so take Derby, for example, you know, he's probably a goalkeeper who could very easily mix it at a championship level. Um, yeah, he, he's, a, he's, if he's a free agent, then, I, then I'd probably be worried, to be honest. I'm not sure if he is. It's a, it'll say on the website, the club, that they, they say when they announce the players, their contractual situation. Yeah, so uh, he's at, it's, yeah, it says contract expires 2024, but like you say, it's whether there, there's an option in the club's favour. And is that, on, uh, is that on Town's website? That is on a database, a, a reliable database that I use for um, contracted players. Oh, right, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, Shrewsbury won't want him to be a free agent. That's for certain because especially with these performances this season 
Um, so, yeah, um, they need. Yeah, I mean, I, I I would be. I would be looking looking to make sure make sure um, you know they can try and keep hold of him if they can, if at all possible. He's been he's been. Uh, deal it doesn't mention anything in that story that the club announced about that they have an option in his in their favor um no nothing because... i'm reading it now there's nothing in front of me here yeah no, no, so no. that could be a worry could be a potential worry for uh for shrewsbury because um, like you said especially as a free agent he's probably going to be quite short after you would have thought so yeah playing pretty well at the moment just want to talk tom bayless before we go and talk about a few off field um off field issues not issues off field stories even um spoke himself all um after the game i presume on saturday we were talking about his different role you know he played as that number 10 under steve cox where he was a bit of a, floaty, yeah, yeah, a, bit yeah, of a free yeah. role now yeah. he's a, a bit of a num- number eight now are we starting to see a little bit more of, of him now we've spoken about him quite a lot in recent weeks but you know, i suppose saturday was probably difficult for the forward players given the fact that they were sort of defending for, for so much of the time but um, how, how have you seen him in that role compared to his, his his role last season? He was excellent against Derby. Um, so, yeah, he was excellent against Derby, um, despite missing a penalty. But, you know, he really, when he plays well, Shrewsbury Town, Shrewsbury Town play well. Like, that, it's just as simple as that. Like, he is the one of the players that really does make, make the team tick. Um, so, yeah, he's somebody that, um, you know, Matt Taylor, I've I've said numerous times on this podcast that he needs to try and get the best out of Tom Bayliss. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the number eight position, I mean, it's slightly different. I mean, it is something that's quite easily to notice that he's playing predominantly on the left side. Um, I feel like that will help. It will help him when Shipley comes back, because I feel as though him and Jordan Shipley link up really well. Um, And Shipley just seems to have more of a desire as a left wing back to get forward. Um, so uh, and, and he links up well when 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 Brandon Fleming has played as well, actually, to be fair. So I, I think that will help. I think occasionally he's played in the number 10 role this season. Matt's told me on a couple of the times that they've they've switched it around. But predominantly he's playing as a number eight um, with with Noan Kenner normally playing in the deeper role and, and Taylor Perry predominantly playing on the other side. It's one of those. Um, I, I still think we're yet to see Tom Bayless's best form on a consistent basis. Um, but I think it's I thought it was refreshing to see him talking about formations and talking about playing in different positions. It's not something that you see footballers talk about all that much. So I thought it was I thought it was really interesting stuff. And that's why I kind of wrote a story on it and uh, and asked him about this kind of new position that he's playing in. Um, and I thought it was interesting what he said about his form himself, about, you know, that it. We look at George Nurse and we look at Dan Udo and think, oh, they've been out for a really, really long time. But but Tom Bayliss got injured against, I think it was Morecambe in a 3-1 win. He did his ankle ligaments and he was saying that, you know, he's come back and pre-season's all about fitness. And now it's about trying to get his match sharpness back. And he feels like he's still he's still getting that back. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just pretty much repeating what, what's been written in stories, really. But... I thought that was a really interesting point because it wasn't. Re- I don't look at Tom Bayliss as coming back from injury, but I suppose he is really, isn't he? He's coming back from a big injury layoff that saw him not play football from. And I don't have this completely accurate, but I think it was probably about March time. I think he missed. He must have missed the last ten to fifteen games of the league one season last year, and then obviously because then the summer comes into play there as well. 
Um, you know, he, he, by the time the season started again early in August, he, he'd not played football for, for a very, 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 very long time. So it's one of those things, really, I reckon, with Tom Bayliss, Johnny. Yeah, no, hopefully he can, uh, can, can kick on um, and carry on. Uh, as has been going on. Just a time for a little advert shout out for our sponsors, the Kettleland Toast about over in Thorn Drone and Briley Hill, the graded product specialists, fantastic products at fantastic prices over there. Everything from, like we say, kettles, toasters, but they've got much more than that. Um, loads of household items. So uh, head down to the, the store if you want to have a look or head online to kettleandtoasterman.co.uk. Right. Um, bit of news off the field last week. Um, Ollie, Peter Brophy, um, who came in. Um, on the back of Brian Caldwell's um, exit as chief executive early this year, um, came in as chief operating officer. Um, he set to depart um, the club, um, or he has exited the club even, I should say, to take up a chief executive position uh, with a charity. Um, the news was announced um, last week, obviously came on the back of Liam Dooley taking over as, as chief executive. Um, Roland, I'm just reading, just paraphrasing from the statement from Salaf here, um, Roland Witchley, um revealed that, that Brophy was brought in at a difficult time for the club, played a key role in, in assembling the current staff, um, sort of thanked him for all his hard work, helping to reshape the club. Um, he said, Peter stepped in as part of my initial plans to reshape the club at a difficult time and was a vital part of putting in place the team we have today. We wish him all the best um, for his new challenge. Ollie, um don't ask me to assess his time in charge in his time no, no, truth because he wasn't bleeding <laughs> there long enough. <laughs> Um, what I'm going to ask you is, is this a direct consequence of a chief executive coming in now and, and sort of a natural progression of of sort of that that role or maybe interim role that, that Brophy was doing, you know, is now defunct? Do, do we know anything on, on that or is he sort of departed of his, of his own back? You know, what's the what's the ins and outs of it as far as you're aware? I don't really know, to be honest. I don't really know what a chief operating officer does. Um, that role does when it was announced confuses me um is that a ceo is that just down yeah. from a ceo I, I, what is a chief i mean you, you, i would you say, tell say me, Johnny, i would what's, say, what's I would a say chief operating a, officer i would say it's just another name for a ceo but i suppose it's probably different in in different firms um, yeah yeah for me i would say it's probably a a natural move given the fact that they brought in a chief executive now liam Dooley from sheffield wednesday uh, yeah but yeah a bit of, bit of movement off the uh off the field but he has um he has departed um, yeah I, th- I think it's a difficult one isn't it i mean I, I, I don't really know what to say about it he wasn't really in position very long um he's, he seems to, from what we can read the night he seems to have done some you know key little things behind the scenes that probably no one will see or no one will ever find out about that have maybe just stabilized things a bit um, yeah given those statements yeah. we've had I mean, actually over the last yeah, I mean, he, he did a piece, didn't he, with the club, the club's media team um, in the summer, but that was pretty much it, really. I mean, we didn't hear, we didn't hear much from him. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just don't really know what to say about it, to be honest, Johnny. I mean, I feel as though, I feel, yeah, I, I really don't know what to say about it. Like, he came in, uh, he was there for just a few months, and, and, and now he's kind of, and now he and now he's gone, and, and Liam Dooley is in situ. And I feel as though I think there's a real clear, or whether it's just the communication when his job was announced. But I feel as though there's a real clear. I, I, I understand what Liam is in there to do. Uh, whereas, and this could be me, my, my like bad on my part. Um, it could be you know my own fault that why I don't really know what Pete Brof, Brophy was 
was in there to do. But um, yeah, I feel like I really do have an understanding of what Liam Dooley has been brought into Shrewsbury Town to do. Uh, and I have an under- I feel like I, I understand now kind of a, there's a clear structure in place, you know, with Liam taking care of the, the off field stuff and the commercial stuff and then Mickey Moore taking taking it, taking charge of the academy and the on field stuff um, and the football inside. So I feel like they seem to have by hook or by crook or by default, perhaps now got the people in place to do to do the jobs. Yeah, no, we'll have to wait and see him. It'll be interesting to when we do get a chance to uh, to speak to to people at staff to see uh, see about the all these changes and stuff because there's been a, a few changes off the field. Um, on another point, Ollie, we were talking, weren't we, a few weeks ago about you know fan reaction and and fan you know people people obviously want to see wins and results and, and there has been a lot of change over over the year over the last sorry not year last few months but and we spoke you know I've used this term on other podcasts the vocal minority. Um, about people who are, you know, very unhappy with what's going on at the moment, think Salah should be doing a little bit better. And I know you want to talk on this a little bit, so I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor to talk on the, on this subject. Yeah, I mean, I feel as though, you know, I, I, I like uh, fan interaction on social media, and I feel like it's good because, you know, you, I feel like you can really start to understand how the fa- the fans feel. And obviously there was a few comments on social media over the weekend about about something that I'd said on the podcast before. And I suppose I just felt like I wanted to it to it to explain myself uh, to a certain degree. Um when a couple of weeks ago when I said I feel as though it's a small I think what it was is that I, I felt as though that when Shrewsbury played Northampton Town um and in that first half they were pretty awful. And I was, I was, because of the the the, the perceived, you know, um, of how unhappy you'd read you read things on social media, and it felt like the club were really, really in meltdown on social media. If you if you read things, and then we, we went to this game against Northampton Town, and we were awful f- for that first half. In fact, we weren't much better in the whole game. It was it was it was a poor performance. But I, I expected. Um, the, the meadow would become really toxic at half time. Like uh, Shrewsbury, uh, if, if, you know, Steve Cottrell under during Steve Cottrell's time in, in charge, the, the the team got booed off like quite a lot, especially in the, at the start of the season. Um, probably not as the season wore on because they were really successful, but the team got booed off and the fans showed, you know, their frustrations. And I was expecting, having played Northampton, who are not a side, um, who. Well, they're not a good side, are they? Let's be honest, they're not a good side. So I was expecting um, their, the, the fans to, 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 to kind of really give them a hard time when the referee blew the, blew the half-time whistle, but there wasn't a murmur um, at all. Um, you know, um, there probably wasn't a rapturous round of applause either, but, you know, there wasn't a murmur of discontent within the stands from, from what I could hear. I was purposely listing out for it um, and, I, and I really did expect it. So, and then obviously Shrewsbury went on to, to, to kind of score a winner. So I suppose that made, that gave me the perception of that perhaps the fans aren't as angry as as what I was picking up from what I was reading on social media. Now I feel like that that you know that that changes and there's different periods of time where, um, yeah, there's different periods of time. At, at some some sometimes you know at, at one point they can be frustrated, uh, and then that changes, doesn't it? So so at the moment I would say it's probably it probably seems as though you know the vast majority of people are really really unhappy 
with the amount of goals scored and probably the lack of entertainment. Um, but one thing I did want to say is that, that, that there was a few comments that just suggested that 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 I that I don't believe that the Shrewsbury fans are allowed to voice their opinions, and that's just and, and that's just not true at all. You know, Shrewsbury fans pay their money, they're loyal supporters, they follow them home and away. Um, and you know they have the complete right to voice their opinions. I wasn't criticising them um, for that at all. I was trying to gauge um, how angry the fans actually were. That was what my my minority point was: is that I felt as though it's just a few uh, fans that are that are that are kind of um, unhappy with the situation at town. Now I would suggest that that is growing, and it's growing quickly. And the more games that they go by and they don't score, that's going to continue to grow. Um, and I would also have thought that if they don't quite get it right this weekend in the FA Cup, a competition that has been really important for Shrewsbury Town, they could find themselves in some real trouble. Um, on some, not real trouble, but I, I you know, I, I don't see how the fans are going to really going to enjoy going to the Meadow and seeing them not score any goals against Colchester United um, on Saturday. I feel as though, you know, this goal scoring problem has gone on for a while, and and fans want to be entertained. They pay their money and they want to be entertained and. You know, the God's honest truth at the moment is the goal scoring record is it's absolutely terrible, isn't it? And it needs sorting out pronto. Yeah, if you can't um, can't entertain, and you, you've at least got to get results. But yeah, I think it's an interesting point. You know, fans aren't entitled to opinions, but then as you know, as journalists, as you know, people who do this podcast, you know, we're also paid to have an opinion on you know the fans, the team, whatever, and that. And, and yeah, I think you've you've put it quite well there. Oh, I'm going to go to questions, but we've only just got one, and it's from our colleague, Mr. Nathan Judah, who's asked huh. if we're going to give away any goodies on uh, today's podcast. Uh, which are you the boss? You the boss? Are yeah. we or are we not? No, I'm Scrooge, mate. Because uh, and for your, he was like, what did he say? Any Halloween presents or anything? And you were like, I hate yeah, what Halloween. you celebrate? Yeah, I so hate do Halloween, I. Yeah. So yeah, do it's I. Cr- it's rubbish. Yeah, so I'm going to be Mr. Miserable. Uh, but you, you, you could be getting something very soon, Salad fans. So keep, uh, keep tuning yeah. in. Right, just before we, uh, we wrap up, Oli FA Cup action. You know, I would say a little bit of pressure off, but Salad will probably be expected to, you know, even give them the goals, um, given Colchester a lead two side. Um, do you expect any change, or do you expect it to go strong like he did in the Carabao Cup? You know, they're, they're obviously a, he's got to go strong. A boost. He's got yeah. to go strong. He can't afford a bad result. No, um, can't afford a bad result. So he's got he's got to go strong. We need we need to win. We need to win. We need to score some goals. And even if we win and we score some goals, I don't think it help. We learn anything from it because we've seen a quite a few full storms this season uh, where we've thought they've solved the goal scoring problems, but perhaps they haven't. And like you can think of all the context you want about, you know, refereeing decisions that cost them at Barnsley and Shay Dunkley getting sent off that cost them at Wigan. But, you know, another week's gone by and they've played three games and scored one goal. Um, and, you know, what we've always had this season for the vast majority of it is we have always had the fact that Cheltenham have been by far and away. Well, at one stage they were a joke of the running joke, weren't they? At the fact that they hadn't scored for ten or eleven games, however much it was at the start of the season, they're about to go by us. They are about to catch us up and go by us, and that is a real concerning factor because obviously this team didn't score for six games, and also it's a fact. It also proves that sides that can't score can score. Because Daryl Clark has come in, and suddenly I think I'm not I'm not 100% sure, but I think since he's come in, they've scored in every game. I don't know that for 100%, but they've certainly picked up since he's come in. Um, so it's you know it's on Matt Taylor and it's on the players to kind of deliver some goals to entertain the fact the town fans because I think they're 
Well, just like us all, really, it's just flat, isn't it? It's just flat yeah. because there's not a lot to shout about. Yeah, they certainly deserve something to shout about. Don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but after that, they're running the league is Bolton, Reading, and Blackpool. Now, Reading well, are Reading struggling, are rubbish, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Reading well, are, are they struggling. rubbish, or is it the off-field issues, or I don't no, know? I'm not what really it is, sure. But... I haven't looked at it, no, no. but it is a you know you look at them free run. They need to get something from them games because yeah. you know if you don't, you know you're then into you know probably the the, the, the final third of November, um, and you're yeah, you're in a pretty difficult position. So it's a, a tough a tough run coming up for Shrewsbury. Um, and there we go. Thank you very much for listening, Talp fans. Hope you have a a good day down the meadow on Saturday and do get a get a result, Magic of the Cup. I'm sure there'll be a few tinfoil FA Cups knocking around in the stands, but a win would be a huge boost. But like we said, the pressure is probably more on Salop. I'm heading into that one, giving Colchester a, a League Two side. But thank you very much for listening. As always, we'll be back. Uh, next week and until next time from me and from Ollie goodbye